This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am super excited to have Leslie A. Rasmussen on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called After Happily Ever After, and uh, you're going to love this book. What a great uh, feel-good experience uh, that this book is, and it's a a must-have for your uh, to-be-read pile for sure. Uh, Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you so much, Hank. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Um, Leslie, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, my father was, in my opinion, the writer in the family. He wrote for television. Well, not television. I'm sorry. He wrote for radio. He did a lot of writing in the army. He just was the writer. And I never really sat down and thought, oh, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. But for me, I wrote all the time. I wrote a diary for many, many, many years. I wrote uh, lots and lots of short stories. I wrote little books. But I never really thought about it. In my mind, at the time, I just knew that I wanted to be part of either television system, some way, shape, or form. That was what I wanted, but I didn't think about writing. And then when I kind of got in out of college and went into television and I thought I wanted to be this producer, like a line producer, and I started doing that, I was always watching the writers, which was interesting, and um, especially in sitcoms. And I watched them a lot and I kept thinking, that doesn't look that hard, which was pretty naive of me. Um, (laughs) So I just thought, well, you know, in my spare time, I'm just going to start writing comedy. And I started doing that and I just kept doing it and I loved it. It was so much fun. I mean, I didn't have any, you know, responsibilities in it um, or anything like that. I was an assistant on a TV show. I did my job and I wrote half the time at work. And I just kept doing it and thinking, this seems really great. And that was really when I really knew I wanted to be a writer, but I was always a reader. And I always loved writing all these little short stories. So that's kind of where I was when I finally just started writing. So Leslie, when when you say that you went to work in television, um, 
I think to a lot of people that hear that, that seems like such an insurmountable, um, uh, you know, hill to even get started on. Like, how do you how do you find an entry into this this whole um, uh, machine that is entertainment? You know, over the years, it's gotten harder to get in. But at the time, it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say it was easy. At the time, I had graduated UCLA, and I was interning at what was MTM Productions, which is Mary Tyler Moore. And I just kept meeting people and going around, and I really loved the business. And so I was working on um, a television show at the time called Hill Street Blues, And I was meeting tons of people and I was meeting a lot of the people on the TV show Newhart. And I met this one woman at the time, women getting into television in anything, writing, producing anything was not what it is today. There were way less women writers and there was the fallacy that women are not funny. So that was like the big thing. And so I just kept writing and I, met somebody on the New Heart show named Miriam Trogdon, who's a great writer. And she sort of took me under her wing and she introduced me to an agent who really, really liked my things at the time, my all my scripts. And then from there, the agent got me through her to a TV show and they liked my stuff. And so it got me my first script which I wrote. And um, at the time, again, being very naive, I thought, oh, I'll quit my job because now I have a job as a writer, which was, (laughs) again, pretty funny. Um, But I just kept writing. And eventually, I just started getting scripts. Then I got on a couple shows. And it just sort of went from there. Um, Nowadays, it's almost impossible to get an agent, just like in publishing. It's really, really hard. So it's changed a lot. But it has gotten so much better for women. And that idea that women are not funny is really sort of gone out the door. <laughs> so that part is good. <laughs> what but a yeah. what a ridiculous um, assertion that that yes. women are not funny. That that I, that that's such a foreign concept. Like, I, is it something that that people actually uh, believed and propagated? I think it was just one of those things that people said. I don't know if they truly believed it, but they didn't have a lot of women, you know, working in those days as comedy writers. I don't even know about on um, dramas as much. I'm trying to think the drama that I was on. No, we did had zero women. There were no women on Hill Street Blues at the time writing. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, and then the big, the bigger issue is they would say, and if you're attractive, you're definitely not funny, which was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I remember one time I went into um, I went in to meet an agent at the time I was looking for an agent. I went in to meet with him. Very nice man. Um, and I, he actually said to me, when I look at my stable of women that I have, I already have women that are just like you. <laughs> I was like, wow. oh, OK. <laughs> And so it was like shocking, but I left thinking, oh, they have a stable and they look at the women and they say, well, this one's like you. So, nope, thank you. <laughs> you know? Jeez. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not like that anymore. But it was thank God. when I started. Oh, thank God. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> but it is much harder to get in the business now as a writer. 
So let me ask you this, Leslie, because you wrote for television uh, yes. and, and wrote for some some big properties and yes. uh, things that, that all of us are, are familiar with. Right. Um, what is it like? Because now you've written your first novel and, and uh-huh. you are a, a novelist. And yep. and we know that that novel writing can be a very solitary experience. It's oh, you know yeah. un, until you get that that draft done and then some editing on your own. And then, you know, you, you hand it off to an, an agent or an editor and, you know, how that part of the process goes. But right. but the majority of the creation is is a solitary experience. It's just you mm-hmm. and the page or you and the computer, or, you know, wh- whatever the device is that you're using. Contrast that to writing for television. I've never written for television, but I, I think I know um, – you know, you, you we hear terms like the writer's room, uh-huh. and, uh, and and it's a a very collaborative experience. Um, how is novel writing different from that sort of writing? And did you learn things, you know, in in air quotes, the the writer's room, <laughs> that you bring with you over to novel writing? Do do some of those tools translate? Yeah, you know, exactly what you just said is so true. It is writing a novel, you're by yourself in a room. And the one thing that I loved more than anything in writing television was being in the writer's room. You know, I do love writing, I do. And I love writing by myself. But at the same time, being in the writer's room, there was always something funny happening or somebody that gave you some kind of idea if you were stuck. Um, their jokes were you would pitch a joke and it would be funny. And then somebody else would pitch some like one other line in that joke. And you'd be like, oh, my God, that makes it even funnier. So all of that was I, I really love people and I loved being around people. And so when I wrote this novel, yes, I was absolutely by myself every time I wrote. But I did join like a writer's group. So at least, you know, once a month we would go in um, and talk. And so that brought people into my life. Um, I think the biggest difference for me when I wrote the novel compared to the um, TV was TV. You have a director, you have a wardrobe person, you have actors, you have all these people that bring your product to life. And you may visualize it one way and then they come in and an actor brings something totally different that you may love or you may not, you know, but it's it brings your words into a different place. And when you're writing, it's all in your own head. So you're the creator of everything, which is great because you have full control. It is not great if you get stuck (laughs) (laughs) or you're like, oh, this, you know, it's winter. What should I put on my character? Well, there's a wardrobe person to do that or there's a set designer. I had to realize I was the complete director of this book and I had to create the world that didn't exist and create everything the character said. And there was really nobody to turn to. Um, I didn't do it in a way where, you know, I know some people work with an editor and as they're going, they sort of work it out with the editor. I didn't do that because I was so new to novel writing. I didn't have a clue how to write it. So I just started doing it really. Um, and so looking back at television and thinking, wow, not that television's easy, but because it's not, but sure. a sitcom is, you know, 40 pages, whatever you end up putting out there before they, 
end up, you know, editing the whole thing down. It might be even longer so they can edit it. And with a book, you know, you're talking almost, you know, 300 pages or something like that. So beginning, middle to end is a much longer thing, (laughs) you know, to figure out that arc. So I did learn a lot. I learned a lot about joke writing, obviously, from sitcoms. And my book has humor in it, even with some heartbreaking moments. I've learned about real life and from sitcoms where something tragic could happen. But, you know, in real life, we make jokes about things, you know, even when we're not in the best place. And so I didn't want to write a book that was just a downer. Um, I wanted to put humor in it. If I could just tag on to that, that that sometimes humor in those dark places is the most important humor. Um, Some it's, you know, this, this weird thing about how we process grief and, um, you know, sometimes dark humor, um, is kind of the most potent humor in a way. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, I mean, people do laugh when somebody dies at times, or they talk about a memory that that person, you know, provided in their life and they laugh and, you know, and you may almost feel like, Oh geez, I'm laughing. But there's a relief and there's a human piece of that, too. Right, right. So going from the, the writer's room to, to writing a novel, um, I, I would assume that in when you're writing for a sitcom or something, all of the, the world building, which you alluded to a minute ago, is, is kind of already done. You, you're working within a framework, and all the jokes have to work within that framework and with, within – all of the the constructs that the the audience is familiar with. So uh, you know, sometimes the the joke may even work better it, because the context is there. Well, um, when you began this novel after Happily Ever After, um, what was the beginning like? Because there there was no world building, there was nothing, and then all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. either a character walks onto the stage of your mind or you think of a setting. What, what was the the beginning of this for you? You know, that's a great question. Um, I started out originally, I was going to write a nonfiction book. And I, you know, I, I took time off from, from television to raise my children and being around parents and moms and you get to know them. We were all talking about a lot of the same issues, whether it was in our relationships, whether it was with our kids, um, with our parents that were getting older. And so I thought about writing a nonfiction book. And at the time, I put together like an, um, an interview of a whole bunch of questions, this whole survey. And I put it both online and then I threw it out to everybody I knew. And I said, you know, I told them how to send it back to me anonymously so they didn't feel uncomfortable answering the questions. And they were everything from romance in your life to um conflict, everything. It was, it just sort of dealt with everything. And when I got back all of those interviews and started reading them, I realized these are so many of the same things women are facing um, in their lives and their families. And I started to think I would like to fictionalize this as opposed to, because that was my background was really fiction, like you said. And I thought I would like to fictionalize this into a book. And so at the time I thought, well, one character. So Maggie in my book is really a combination of so many people. <laughs> she is not one person. 
And I did it from the I point of view, from the first person, because I wanted to make it so relatable to women. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in here for men, too, so don't get me wrong. But Maggie is the protagonist, so it's more women's fiction. And so that is kind of how Maggie came to be, was through all these other people. And what Maggie goes through is also, you know, the stay-at-home mom, after all these years, having had this great job that she loved, trying to redefine herself and get back into the world as her daughter is now a high school senior and obviously going to be leaving. And even though when I originally was doing this nonfiction um, survey, a lot of these women had younger kids. We were all talking about it. You know, um, so many of them had ha left their careers some were still working part time, but not really happily and didn't love that career and wanted to someday figure out a new career. And so that's really how this book came to be, was through all of those interviews. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website. Developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Love it. Um, did the did the title resonate with you early, or was it uh, one of these things that when the story's done, it kind of revealed itself? Um, I actually had a different title going almost all the way through, and the publisher said, you know, we just want to change the title. And so then it was like this whole long process of very long, <laughs> exhausting process of coming up with titles. And they had a title similar to this, and but it wasn't exactly this. And actually my husband came in because I was like, oh my God, you know, because you always love your first title. That's always the sure. way it works. And yeah. my husband came in and said, okay, let's take a look at all these titles. And we did, and he actually came up with the title. And I, when I heard it, I was like, you know, that really does work. 
So I was like, okay, good. <laughs> the hard part was after, of course, you come up with a title, you do the whole, you know, your publisher moves on and does everything. And then somebody else, you know, publishes a book with the same title, which is always right. Cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so there are books out there with the same title. So I'm always telling people, look for my name, you right, know? Right. Yeah. So, so tell me about the character of Maggie. I, I know she's kind of an amalgam of, of, of lots of people that you've met. And um, at, at what point did she become a whole person to you and not just, you know, a character that's informed by this friend of yours or this right. person that you've met here? When did she become, um, you know, a, a fully 3D character, if you want to look at it that way? I think after I wrote the first chapter, mostly, I sat down and started, I wanted this character of Maggie to also be dealing, she's 45 years old, and I wanted her to also be dealing with what it's like to age. And she looks good. I mean, but, but you know, you wake up and you see a couple wrinkles here and you're like, uh-oh, where'd those come from <laughs> last night? They just came up one night? I mean, this is crazy. Um, and I wanted her to deal with, you know, her, her body. She hadn't worked out in a while and she was thinking, oh, I should probably start working out. And as I started the first chapter of writing her and how she felt about being in the house by herself as her daughter is asserting her independence and going off to school and having her first boyfriend and her husband's got all this stuff going on and he's kind of distracted and she's kind of alone in her house, kind of looking around and saying, hey, you know, is today just the day that I, you know, get to wipe ice cream off the counter and then go do the laundry? And what else am I going to do? Like, where's my life? And Maggie also is um, going in to see her father who is aging and he's in and not an independent living place, but like more like a facility where he's being taken care of because he has yeah. Parkinson's. Yeah. And her thinking about him and they have a very special relationship. And I was writing, you know, the first paragraph, I mean, the first chapter. And when I finished the first chapter, she just, the, the first time I wrote her as I, and I wrote it and I thought, oh, I hear her voice. I hear, and I put her thoughts in and how she was thinking. And she just started to come to life for me. And somebody had said, oh, it's really hard to write a book with the character being I, because that character, has to see everything. You can't do anything off screen, so to speak, because right, the character right. has to see it. So I went back and I wrote the first chapter again in a third person with a narrator. And I read it and I thought, no, this does not work. I don't see Maggie with the third person. I need to feel Maggie inside of me. So I continued writing it with I and she just kept talking to me. And it was really interesting because I would wake up in the middle of the night with my phone next to me and go, oh, my God, Maggie said blah, 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 whatever it was. And I'd start writing it down. And it was like she was haunting my sleep for a while. It was really interesting. But she just sort of took a life of her own and almost told me the story. It was really interesting. So I'm assuming um, that uh that your writing process that you wrote this more as a, uh, as a pantser, as, as you were discovering the story, as you wrote it, as, as opposed to planning it all out ahead of time and then writing or, 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 or did, did your 
ideas about that, uh, about the way that you write, did those change over the writing of this? Well, interesting enough, again, naivete, I, I did start writing it without any outline and just knew generally where I yeah, wanted yeah. it to go, just very generally. And I got about halfway through it because the beginning was sort of like, you know, you're like, okay, I kind of know where I'm going here. When I got to the middle, I just flipped because I had no idea what to do. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my God, I don't know where this was going. And again, my husband is a um, executive producer on television. He's a writer and he's been a writer for many, for many, 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 many years. And I turned to him and he said, you have to write the outline. He said, I know you, because I wrote outlines only in, in television. I always had a full outline, beginning, middle and end. And everything was really, really detailed in my outline before I even started writing a spec script or any script for a TV show. And so I realized I really have to sit down and do that work. And I loved the writing of this book. I loved creating the characters. I just didn't feel like doing the, the quote unquote dirty work of sitting down yeah. and putting everything in outline. But I did. And once I did that, my husband taught me this because he's also written screenplays. So he's written longer than I had. And he also told me, you know, go and get white cards, put every scene down and place them down in an order so you can move them around and kind of go, oh, you know what? I think this is better over here and this is better over there. So I just stopped writing the book and I sat down and I did that whole process. And that actually was incredibly helpful to go from the middle to the end because obviously I kind of knew that. I did not know the end, of, complete end of the book. Um, that developed later because I had a different ending. And I, I'm very much a realistic person. And I love, when I talk to people, I'm very real life. What happens in real life? So I, I'm not going to give away the ending. But what I wanted to do with the ending was make it more hopeful, but real life. You know, and and. I know there's people that always like things tied up in a little bow so they know exactly what's happening. Um, but I don't feel like that's real life, especially in the situation that Maggie was in. So that's Wait. pretty much what I ended up doing. So yes, I was a pantser and then I was a plotter. And now I'm a plotter. Now for my second book, I figured out the whole outline and it's changing. I move things around, but at the same time, I am now somebody who says, if you're going to write a book, <laughs> get a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Leslie, when you were writing for screen, um, I, I'm sure that you you got very uh, ingrained in the process. I mean, if you're working on a on an existing show, you know what you know, how the script is going to yes. come to life and, and get out to the world. Um, but when you finished this novel and you had this draft sitting there, did you have any plans for, for how it was going to get out to the rest of the world? And was the publishing experience, was, was that just completely foreign to you, but being, uh, you know, a completely different medium? It really was because, you know, I, I got on all these groups and listened to people talk and so many people talked about getting agents and, you know, query, query, query. So I started doing that and I, I after querying a number of agents and kind of getting the same response, which was, oh, we really like this, but no, thank you. You know, it was like one of those. Um, I started to wonder, like, was I ever going to get published? 
at the time, um, I ended up going with a friend and I, who's also a writer. She and I went to the Kauai Writers Conference. Uh, and that was just eye-opening for me. Um, the conference was wonderful. And I went to workshops. And one of the workshops was done by Christina Baker Klein. And she brought in Kristen Hanna and Alice Hoffman. And listening to these three different people talk about their process and how to rewrite and what they did in their second, third, fourth rewrite. I had done the probably this. I had probably when I went to the conference was on my second or third, maybe my fourth draft. And I had already given my book to two writers to read it. And they gave me fabulous notes. And so I went off of those. But at the conference, when they talked about the revision process, especially Kristen Hanna talked a lot about the revision process and Kristen um, and Christina Baker Klein talked a lot about just overall writing. And I went back from that conference and I rewrote the book again, just really inputting all the notes I learned and all the other things I learned. And I also had taken a course from Josh Moore who has done both memoir and fiction. And he was amazing in the psychological aspect and getting into your characters and all these kinds of things. So I went back and I rewrote it again. And at that conference, I had met uh, Brooke Warner, who runs She Writes Press. And I really enjoyed listening to her and I really liked meeting her. She's a really great person. So when I got back and I started getting no from a lot of different agents, I sort of thought, oh, gosh, what am I going to do with this book? I really want it out there. So I contacted Brooke and she said, hey, send it in. And I did. And she liked it. And they accepted me. So they said that they would publish the book, which was so exciting because I just was like, oh, my God, my book is going to get published. You know, the hard part was it was a year and a half because they're, you know, they take books as they come in and they have a year and a half before the next. They take books twice a year. I mean, they put them out twice a year in spring and fall. And so my book was then, OK, spring of 2021, which at the time sounded forever. Right. Um, but, you know, there's so many things you do in that process also. And uh, so that was what happened. And that's how I got it to published. It's a it's a tough it's such a different business than television. Um, you know, it's not really I mean, I'm sure it's who, you know, if you knew an agent or you knew a publisher, yeah. you know, and like me, since I was at the Kauai conference, I had met Brooke. And, you know, so that was a way in and that's networking. Um, but in television, I just found it to be very, very different. And again, now people supposedly tell me you can't get an agent in television either. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how anybody works in any of these businesses anymore, but that's basically how the book got published. Well, Leslie, I'm, I know that you said that you're working on uh, on a follow-up on, on book two. It, can you tell us anything about it yet? Um, yeah. Book two is completely different in the sense it's still women's fiction. It's about two women and they it's their story separately and together and they both meet after going they they both get pregnant and and from different circumstances and then they meet later and they go through something um, very important together and so it's about their friendship it's about what they're going through both alone and together so that's really what it's about can't wait to see how that turns out um Thanks. 
the the new book after happily ever after is available everywhere now when you're hearing this you can grab it in paperback or kindle edition however you like to consume books uh there's going to be a link to that in the show notes of this episode where you can go grab it uh leslie i know that you have a fantastic website um i do tell, tell people where they can find you online if they want to dig into all the amazing stuff that you're doing Okay, great. Uh, my website is lesliearasmussen.com. I'm also on Instagram at, at leslierauthor and Twitter at leslierauthor. And then my Facebook page is at after happily ever after novel. Excellent. We'll put links to all those places in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find you. Leslie, this has been so much fun uh, chatting. We're going to send everyone to pick up a copy of after happily ever after and, uh, and, 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 and follow along for what, uh, what comes next. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time. Thank you, Hank. I really appreciate this has been so much fun. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing or proofreading Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. Right from your desktop, laptop, tablet or smartphone just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organized mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers.